It's Tuesday, May 15th, 2018. I'm Herbie Newell, and this is the Defender Podcast, a daily encouragement to mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This daily podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm coming to you from Birmingham, Alabama. Well, today I am thrilled to have uh, two folks to come and to talk to us about Lifeline's foster care program, uh, Jennifer Travis and Christy Max Seegers, and both of them are such an integral part of our foster care program, and really one of the things that we wanted to do was was to explain kind of Lifeline's foster care model and give an update on foster care. Foster care is a big piece of our ministry, and I know a lot of times we talk about families count, or we talk about domestic adoption, or birth mother services, uh, but we really are still so engaged in foster care and just want to make sure that we talk about that today and help people understand how they can get engaged, what they can do, whether they live in one of these states where we're actively recruiting and and working with foster parents, or if they're not in a state, some of the things that they can do to wrap around foster families and foster children. So first, just starting off, uh, Christy Mack, will you give us an update on the foster care program and ministry at Lifeline? Sure, I'd love to. We've been so excited just to see what the Lord has done in our foster care program, particularly over the past year or two, and that we have been able to form deep partnerships with churches and with child welfare departments to really recruit and engage more gospel-centered families in to the system um, and bring more gospel-centered families into fostering so that the children that are being placed into the home are hearing the gospel, so that birth families are hearing the gospel. So we've been able to um, really multiply our training, multiply the number of families that are coming into the system by truly partnering with the child welfare department and, and working with them to do recruitment. We are training foster families and equipping foster families through um, the state-required training, but also from a um, biblical gospel-centered way, as well as um, doing the home study and assessing them and then equipping them. And then the state is able to, to have more families come into their system, and then we're able to support them along with the state and partner with the state and with churches to support them as they enter this journey. Yeah, and so... Uh, Jennifer, I know you get to lead our team, not just in Alabama, but in South Carolina, supervising that team, uh, even getting on the ground and training families that are going through the process through so many of these training models. But this partnership is different and it's it's unique, but it's it is needed. And one of the things that I think is such the heart of this partnership is that we want to serve the state and we really want to be a partner of the state. Mm-hmm. And so many times a lot of folks want to look at all the, the fallacies and the brokenness of a state system. Um, but we we're, we want to actually come in and partner and be a be a support to the state. So talk about why that partnership and model of going to straight to the state. Why is it different and why is it so important? Yes, thank you for having us on here, Herbie. We love talking foster care. Um I feel like the a lot of reasons that our partnership looks different, it has a lot to do with the way, like you said, that we come in tr- and try to partner and try to come alongside the state. We don't want to come in in opposition or in competition, but really as a way to partner and provide quality, well-trained 
families, holistic families that are ready to serve in foster care and ready to bring the gospel, not just to the child in their home, but to the birth family and to the DHR workers. Um, being a state agency, a lot of times they are not as allowed to share their faith and maybe the reasons why they work in foster care, why they are passionate about it, but being an outside private agency, we are allowed to infuse our training with the gospel and with the importance of the importance that God places on families and on family restoration. And we're able to really inspire and help train our families in being in, in that mission and a part of that mission and not just fostering for a child solely, but for the mission of that whole family and loving that family with Christ's love and sharing a lot of times with families for the first time ever the love of Christ. And so it gives us a unique opportunity to do that with families and to also just really train them from a holistic perspective and really use that assessment time to to disciple a family to prepare them for what we feel like is a mission field. We really do try to equip and train our families that they are going out on the mission field and they are going out um, with Christ to to minister and to love their community in, in a, a lot of ways that sometimes our community doesn't get to see. And so we get that unique opportunity to do that with them. And we also get to pull in churches and bring them into more of a, a partnership and a loving relationship with DHR and really help churches to see all the many ways that they can get involved and that they can love on DHR and their staff, but then also love on foster families and birth families who are working to get their children back. Yeah. And I think what's neat is we're not trying to isolate DHR and, and a lot of partnerships, what, what folks don't realize is that the, the state child protective services, DHR, DHS, whatever they may be called in your state, right? They're always integral in the process. They're, they're always a nugget. And, and really a lot of programs are just trying to, in a sense, put that, you know, on the shelf and make it kind of some window dressings. Mm-hmm. Um, but we really want to say the state is involved with this. There's needs that they need. There's ways that we can serve them. And that's been beautiful to see churches even come alongside of DHR and meet needs of their workers, meet needs of that they have. And so, you know, certainly uh, not to not privatize foster care at all. It's it's certainly needed and it's something that is, is served well. But but our heart and our call for what Lord has called us to do is to come alongside and to, to really wrap around DHR and, and the state. And so talk a, talk a bit about the support model because it is so vital in what we do because uh, we don't want to just put right, foster families into the system without supporting them. We want to bring support to them. And one of the things that we have continually heard is that one of the reasons that foster families burn out is because of the lack of support. Um, I know uh, even even you uh, are a foster mom yourself, and, and that support is great to you guys as y'all are fostering. So talk about why the support is so vital and this, this, this support model really does work. Absolutely. You're, you're definitely right. And Foster care is a very unique situation in that there are a lot of confidentiality factors and, I mean, you're caring for another person's child and so it does maybe change some of those parameters and because of that, families do need a lot more support. They need a lot more um, encouragement and help along the journey because we feel very strongly that when the Lord is calling you to something so purposefully that a lot of times that's when spiritual warfare can creep in and Satan He doesn't love what the Lord is actively doing. And so you really do need support. And a lot of our churches in our area and in other areas have really stepped up and realized and recognized that call that while everybody may not be called to be a foster parent, everybody is called to foster care and to serving and loving 
families in some kind of way. And so we've had a lot of churches that have been able to step up and create rap ministries and really with the focus, basically rap ministry is just where you, the church is providing supportive services to a fam, foster family and wrapping around them as they are on this journey. And with that, a lot of times it's us partnering with churches and helping equip them to be able to do that through support groups or through informing and training their caregivers and their staff on the needs of children in care and she, children that have maybe come from traumatized backgrounds. It can also look like just setting up and mobilizing small groups to provide for those tangible needs, setting up and mobilizing church people that commit to pray for these children and these families daily, weekly. Um, we've had a lot of churches that have really, I would say, responded to that call wholeheartedly and have taken on this mission of loving and supporting foster families in this journey. And DH DHR or DSS, Child Protective Services, in the work that they're doing, because for our um, Child Protective Services workers, it can also be a very hard and very isolating job as well. So we have churches that have become equipped to care for their child protective services workers and pray for them and commit to really loving them with the love of the Lord and the work that they are doing as well. Yeah. And we know through all of this that, that the church is vital in that because that's the bride of Christ that, that the Lord brought up. I mean, you look at so many passages throughout the Word where it talks about that each person within the bride of Christ has been given a different gifting, uh, that, that the body of Christ works together with giftings. And and we know that in Christ, bride in Christ's economy, He sets that up. So while certainly uh, you feel called to being a foster mom and are equipped to do that. Not everyone within a local congregation has the calling, is at a place, is is maybe even at a life stage where fostering is something that's needed, but they have a gift that can go into this. And so the church is, is, is vital in that role. And I know that even currently right now, uh, Jennifer, you are leading uh, training classes for foster families on Thursday nights, and that's something that is is really neat. But talk about just the the, the role of how the church is vital, even as you're training these families. Like how how knowing that there's a church behind them gives us the freedom to really be able to to even how we equip and how we train and how we re relinquish and send these families out. Um, it's funny that you bring that up. We talked about that a little bit last night, actually, in our training class because the. Um the pastor at one of the churches that we partner with, he and his wife are actually foster parents as well. And even talking about that with the class and talking about how different churches have come alongside and tried to figure out specific ways to support, not just, oh, we're going to do this and we don't know how, but really specific ways that the Lord is leading them and even in asking and partnering with us on what that can look like. Um, it's just been neat to see the encouragement that comes just from knowing that there are churches available and church staff that understand what you're what you're about to face and what you're going through. Um, a lot of times with a lot of our area churches, support groups have been a vital piece of where, like you said, these families that are part of the support group or that are running a support group and facilitating that may not be called to be foster parents, but they have seen where they can serve, where they can lead and support. And that's been a beautiful way that we've seen some ministries come alongside um, a lot of churches. That prayer piece is so, so vital. And sometimes I think people can skip over that and be like, oh, and prayer. But really, that's a key piece of what a lot of our families need as they are preparing to walk this journey. And having churches and having staff and small groups that are committing to 
being there and being that prayer warrior, so to speak, for that family um, has an impact far greater than I think we understand when families are walking into this mission field. Um, I think churches, too, just being open and recognizing uh, that sometimes the needs of these children will look different and that it may be that we they set up a slightly different program for kids with some special needs going on or that um, people are just more receptive and more respectful to of maybe what is happening and what a family is facing and are very quick to learn to say how can we help or how can we serve or what are specific needs that maybe this family has that they are facing and walking through and just I think helping equip and educate churches that 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 is a need that sometimes just saying mm-hmm. how can we you know help the Smiths today or how can we pray for the Joneses today it does it really can help change that trajectory and that like you said that supportive piece that families need to continue fostering so you know one of the things you bring up is how vital prayer is and it really is and I think you know we're coming obviously from the deep south and in the deep south something happens or someone has a tragedy or someone has a need we like to say bless your heart and then you know take them a pound cake or provide a meal because that's obviously their greatest need always is to eat Uh, but really we are being invited for all of these families into an opportunity to pray deeply for them to intercede deeply for them for their marriage for their family but also for these children and it's interesting because recently I've been reading a book about the conversion of a Muslim man to Christianity. And one of the things that, that really led him to Christ was through prayer. One, he desperately asking the Lord to reveal himself. And then a group of friends that at the same time intermediately were praying that the Lord would reveal himself to this man. And certainly he did. And um, this man became a redeemed child of God. There's, there's a lot of times that through faith, we're praying for people, knowing that it's out of our control, but knowing that ultimately it's in the Lord's control. And the Lord is who's calling these families to this, and we're the ones that need to, to actually invoke Him to get involved in these, these situations. And so, you know, Christine, even as we think about prayer, what are some other tangible ways, especially for the rest of us that are down here in the deep south? And we're like, we'll pray, but, but we, we got to take a pound cake or we got to do something. What are some tangible things that churches can really do to support families? Yeah, so one of the ways is, is you know, food is an integral part of, of a way to support these families as foster care is an extremely difficult journey. We've seen a lot of churches just create these rap models like Jennifer talked about to where they are taking their foster families a meal once a week or once a month. And so they have a small group wrap around them and do that. Um, Or you have small groups who are getting trained to be able to be a babysitter or a support piece for that foster family so that that foster family can just go have a date night um, and just um, have some time just to really equip and strengthen their marriage as they Um, engage back into this mission field of caring for the children in their home. We've also seen um, 
individuals and small groups and churches really engage in just doing other um, tangible tasks around the house, maybe mowing the lawn. Um, maybe they, um, we've seen a church uh, build a fence for a foster family that was getting engaged um, because that was a minimum standard for the state. And so there's lots of little tangible ways like that, to doing laundry for them or, or those kinds of things, um, that it just, um, all the things that you think about that are sometimes hard for your family um, to do become even more difficult as you're engaging in this ministry of foster care. And so there's lots of ways for folks to get involved in that way. We also often do events and churches will do events like respite events or we do continuing education events where we are teaching foster parents as as they get licensed, they are wanting to, uh, they, they need to have continuing education to stay up to date on the newest research or to just be supported and be reminded of the things that they had learned. And so Lifeline's been able to really continue that education for them from a biblical um, and gospel-centered place to continue that. And we've had churches just host those events, provide meals for foster families as um, we are doing those things. Um, so there's many different ways that folks can get involved from becoming a foster parent to just helping us in the various ways that we are doing to support them. So really, even as we close, Jennifer, just because you and John have obviously fostered not just once but several times, uh, you work with a lot of our different foster families. If we're going to call folks to start praying, even before they maybe know a foster family or a foster child, what are some specific things that people could be praying for foster families and for foster children? And I, and obviously we're not asking you to get too personal with your own stories, <laughs> but just in general, like if somebody was like, okay, I'm ready to start praying on behalf of foster families, what are some specific just general needs that they could be asking the Father to help with? That's an excellent question. Um, I would say specifically for, if you're praying for foster families, I think equipping and strengthening their marriage mm. in the midst of this is a huge um, prayer need for families. Um, equipping, and, or not equipping, but um, for the Lord to bring maybe some comfort and peace to any biological or adopted children that are already in the home, just because it can bring a lot of um, chaos to mm. children's lives, too, if we're honest, when new kids move in. And I think also praying for the child in the home, for that child to know the love of the Lord and the love of the many adults in their lives. Sometimes foster care can feel very, I don't know where I belong, I don't know that anybody mm. cares about me, but it also has the awesome ability to feel like, I have more adults that care about me than I know what to do with. Right. <laughs> and so praying that there's that um, heart movement in that situation for a foster family, I think, can be very crucial. And then if you kind of jump back a little bit more holistically, just praying for foster care as an entity to really be changed by the gospel. Mm. Um, that's one of our goals and dreams in all of this, is that we could really have foster care infused with gospel-centered and gospel-focused families that love the Lord and so that we can change the face of foster care. So foster care doesn't look like strife and struggle and people being at odds, how it sometimes can be, but that it really looks like foster families wrapping around that birth family, helping support and engage that birth family so that they can 
all be back together and be reunified, but that so they can also know the love of the Lord. Um, and I think that would be a huge way to just pray for foster care across our nation. And then additionally, if a family's considering could foster care be something that we're called to, I think just really start praying that the Lord could reveal to you what role that, that you need to play. I do feel like we're all called in some way to care for children in need, children that are um, vulnerable, and just really praying that the Lord reveal, would reveal to you what that needs to look like in your life and in your church's ministry. Well, I know as we, we certainly pray for these families and we pray for these children, you know, a lot of families that are nearing into foster care, uh, a lot of times in Christendom, we unfortunately, we drift towards things that are comfortable. And in foster care, families are putting themselves into the messy. And so it is a daily call to take up your cross, to die to yourself and to do something for someone else when you're taking maybe what could be a pristine, easy life and you're entering into the chaos. And so let's just pray that the Lord would penetrate that chaos, would support these families and guard their hearts through this process and guard the hearts of these children who are right in the middle of foster care. Well, thanks for listening to the Defender Podcast. For more information or to connect with me, please visit HerbieNewell.com. To partner with Lifeline, visit LifelineChild.org. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at LifelineChild.org. Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel to you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again tomorrow for the Defender Podcast.